0: to another exciting episode of Purpose on Purpose, Overcoming Adversity and creating Resiliency. As always, I'm your host, Dario Herrera, with my co-host, my faith-inspired influencer friend, Christy Grease. And today we have, I know we always say we have a great show, we have an amazing guest, <laughs> and that's always been true. But this is the only Olympic gold medalist I know. Connor Fields, welcome to Purpose on Purpose. Thanks. And uh, yeah, no pressure after that introduction. <laughs> Welcome. Well, I, I got to know Connor briefly through a mutual friend. In fact, uh, one of our previous guests, Amy Ayub, uh, Connor was working with her. I've been working with Amy forever. And I got to meet Connor and saw him practicing a speech. And I was immediately moved by his humility, by his work ethic, by his amazing, positive attitude. And when I heard who he was, it did not surprise me that he in fact was the U.S.'s first BMX Olympic gold medalist.
1: Yeah. Connor, I'm so
0: excited to have you, man. Thanks, tell me more, keep it coming. <laughs> well, but we're hoping you can tell us more, you know I mean? You've accomplished some incredible things and you're tall, you're handsome, you have an incredible work ethic, we do this, I mean, this, this is so, no, so but, good for, for my confidence. <laughs> but it's important because I think when people look at you, and this is something that I, when I looked at you, I wish that I had a lot of things that you had. And immediately compared myself and thought, wow, like he's got it made. He hasn't had to overcome adversity. He hasn't had to overcome X, Y, and Z or fill in the blank. And then I heard your story and thought, wait a minute, like the humility, he's earned it the accolades, he's earned it. So I want to just dive into that a little bit because I know it's easy to look at you and your success and feel like it's been handed to you. People don't see the work. People don't see the preparation. People don't see the things you've had to overcome. Um, And I've gotten a glimpse of that because I got a front row seat to, to the speech you were at the time preparing for. So that's an open invitation. Tell us a little bit about Yourself and, and your success and, and some of the challenges you've experienced along the way.
2: Yeah, and, and with that said, I think anybody who's reached a high level of success in any facet, whether it's sport, business, uh, the arts, you know, whatever it may be, you don't reach uh, the pointy end of anything without your share of um, challenges or adversity or things that you have to overcome. Uh, I've always kind of looked at it as, If you want to reach that mountaintop, you have to be willing to do the work to get there. And not everybody is willing to do the work and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But then you're trading off. You might never feel what it feels like to achieve something great. And so on the flip side of that though, is you're also never going to be completely devastated and heartbroken because you might've come up short. So it it is a bit of a gamble. um, (laughs) And, 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 putting out into the universe or saying, I want to be the best in the world uh, at anything is, it's a a huge gamble because there can only be one person in the entire world. And and it just in my own um, personal space in in, in my world, in the Olympics, you know, I, I like to talk about how of the 32 men that compete in my event, there's probably about eight to 10 of us that go into the Olympics with the realistic expectation that I'm going to come home with a medal. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of athletes that are just there to take pictures and like just making the Olympics is their success because mm-hmm. they know they just are not good enough to be on the podium. But there are a number of athletes, more than three that are expecting to come home with a medal. And three people go home with the the happiest people in the world. (laughs) Their dreams came true. Everything seemed worth it. And then there's a handful of people who go home completely devastated because they just poured four years of blood, sweat, tears, and their entire soul into something and didn't happen. And so you have to be willing to take that risk, I would say, of it going, I don't want to say going wrong, but maybe coming up short of your goals. Mm -hmm. um in order just to be there with a chance and sometimes it's funny to talk about envy sometimes i envy uh, some of my my friends who might just be a a nurse or a teacher and like they never have the incredible highs per se that i might be able to enjoy but they also don't have to deal with those incredible lows Mm -hmm. um a little bit more moderation so it's just whether you're willing to kind of go for that or not is just a personal uh, a personal decision you have to make
0: yeah but there's been some stuff beyond the pressure and beyond the preparation mm-hmm. that that you've gone through i mean you've it's not like you became a gold medalist overnight i mean you you went through some stuff to get there I, oh, I, I, of if, course. I if i remember correctly you had an injury that was pretty devastating that you had to no, overcome
2: you i mean i've I... I've been in a flight for life before with internal bleeding. Um, I've woken up in an ambulance after having a traumatic brain injury. Uh, wow. I shattered the one you're probably referring to. Is, I shattered my wrist in the right. multiple pieces five months before the Olympics. Oh. Uh, and actually raced the Olympics with a broken wrist in 2016.
1: Um, I saw that. I was looking, I saw your story about the injury, but then I was looking at your Olympic appearances and you still went to the Olympics.
2: Yeah. If it had been any other race, I wouldn't have done it. But because it's the Olympics, it's not like there's another one in three months or in.
1: Yeah.
2: It's literally once every four years. So as an athlete, you might get one, two, or at most three opportunities. And the amount of things that have to happen for you to arrive, one, qualified for your specific team, two, get to the Olympics, three, make it to the final eight to have a race and a chance for a medal. Like the amount of things that have to happen for that to, to work out is, is ridiculous. So I was like, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. If I can strap my wrist to the handlebars and oh my God. It, I'm going to try um, – and yeah, it ended up working out. I don't recommend that to anybody. but uh, <laughs> Your
1: poor mother. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, my mom. She uh, she she could share some stories as well. <laughs> he has gone through just watching me compete. But um, at the end of the day, she kind of trusts me. And she was like, you know, if you feel like this is something that you can do and are willing to acknowledge and take this risk on, then I'm going to leave this decision up to you because ultimately you know better than I do. Um, and that's just something I do in extreme sport, right? And no disrespect to baseball players or no disrespect to golfers, but every time that they go out and play, there isn't really a chance of them dying unless there's like a freak accident.
1: Unless um, yeah, you here for, you <laughs> know. Right.
2: What we do is so dangerous and there is such a risk factor to it that you have to just accept, acknowledge, and be okay with the risks. Um, that's also why – Athletes are usually peaking at a younger age because the male brain doesn't fully develop until the mid-20s in the department <laughs> assessment, which is you know, why 18-year-old kids are more likely to go 100 miles an hour down the road doing donuts than a 30-year-old. Um, but even just myself at 28 years old, I definitely look at things and assess things differently than I did when I was 18. Um so whereas a 28-year-old in a co- like a major sport, like a football, basketball, baseball, that's right arriving at like their peak, right? yeah. I'm, I'm an elder statesman in my sport.
0: Uh, <laughs> You're looking and, long in the tooth there, man. I was going to
2: say. You're
1: looking statesman.
2: It's funny. It's, uh, it is kind of funny where was, if I was a quarterback
0: or something, he'd be like, oh, he's just entering his prime And in my sport. It's when's he going to be done? He's getting old. <laughs> I always thought about uh, Tony Hawk in that way. You know, as you got older, you know, I'm like, oh, he looks kind of old for a skater. You know, you're <laughs> yeah, not yeah, old so much here yet. You know, that's 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 just part of it. Um, you know,
2: it's interesting because physically, I've never felt better. Like physically, I feel like I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. I'm 28 years old, so my body's developed, it's matured. Plus, I have the years and years and years of training that I've already gone through in the bank uh, mm-hmm. to draw from. Whereas when you're 20, you know, you're know you still building up that strength and building up that conditioning and all that stuff. But when I'm sitting up on the starting line, I look to my right, and there's a 19 year old kid who's willing to do anything, no assessment of risk, doesn't care. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, win or lose, you know, I've got a house and some dogs and a fiance and life's pretty good. And I don't really want to break another bone. Like, there's definitely.
1: Some- <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Connor, I wonder if you can help the folks at home understand a little bit. So Purpose on Purpose is all about overcoming adversity and creating resiliency and, and basically living a resilient life to be able to live your purpose, to fulfill your purpose. Mm-hmm. right? What can you tell the folks listening at home about the creating resiliency? That's such a broad question. Um, it's broad on purpose. I want to hear your answer. <laughs> so many
2: different angles you can go through. If the the question, if you're asking, it's open to interpretation, but if you're asking how to increase resiliency, how to become resilient, the only way that you can become resilient is by uh, trial by fire, essentially. like You cannot build that resiliency in theory. Uh, You can't always just listen to this podcast or read a book and – understand the theory of how to be resilient and then be ready to put it into practice your very first time and be 100% ready to go perfect at it. You have to be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and go through different trial and errors or um, good times, bad times, and go through the practice of building up that resiliency and learning how to stand up once you've fallen down a handful of times to realize, recognize, and be okay with the fact of, this might not work out exactly how I I want it to, but that's okay. I will be okay. I will continue to move forward. If I get rejected, I will continue to move forward with this dream. If I come up short on my athletic goals, I will go back to the drawing board, figure out how to get bigger, faster, stronger, and come back and try again. Um, So you kind of just got to dive in off the deep end and, uh, and go for it. And you have to be, you know, one of the big things when they say, we talk about goal setting is you have to be willing to trade what you want right now in this moment for what you want long-term. And sometimes that trade-off is comfort or um, like feeling happy or perfect or rejection. And you have to be okay with that in this moment because it, you know, it's going to help you get to
0: where you want to be
2: in the long run.
0: I appreciate one that. Thing- no, because, uh, I, I just wanted to do one follow-up only because no, I, it- I- because I, I know you have a couple of questions that are going to be brilliant. The, the, the follow-up to that is, what got you back on that bike after those traumatic injuries? You know, Traum- sitting in the ambulance, you know, with a traumatic head injury or, you know, being in, in in fight for life and still getting back on that bike and still getting up at five in the morning and still working through that regimen that you so arduously and consistently commit yourself to. What dr- What drives that?
2: Uh, for me, there's a, a few different things that would like drive that, and and I would actually say that the physical challenges are not as hard as the mental challenges. Coming back from an injury, I would say it's so much easier than coming back from a mental um, rough patch or uh, a period of bad results or something. I honestly feel like that is harder because injuries heal. The body is amazing, and when, especially if you take care of your body and you give it everything it needs, you eat healthy, you go through the rehab program, you do everything you possibly can to heal. It's amazing what the body can do. I've seen myself and other athletes where a doctor will say, oh, it's going to take you three months and six to eight weeks later, they're back to normal because every moment of every day, they're trying to figure out how can they heal whatever this injury is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I would say the more difficult thing is the mental side of it, but it just comes down to, and going back to like the specific answer, It is an unbelievable feeling to set a goal, work your ass off for an extended period of time for that goal, and then ultimately have it come true. And for me, when I set the goal of I want to be a world champion or I want to be an Olympic gold medalist or I want to win a World Cup for Team USA or I want to be a national champion or whatever that goal is that I write down and I set my sights on, And I start on that day and I work backwards. What do I need to do to get to that goal? And then go through the process, all the ups, all the downs, all the physical work, mental work, the emotional work, um, the tactical work to get to that point. And then you do it. It is such a rush. It is such an incredible feeling that it's almost like a high. And I have never found anything in the world that comes close to that feeling of accomplishment. And it's not necessarily for me about standing up on the podium, thinking about the check that I'm going to cash or thinking about the fact that I'm the man. It's, it wouldn't matter if I'm alone in a room. It's just the amount of time, effort and heart that goes into that and then following through with it. And then when you do it, it's that self-satisfaction. And what I would take from that stuff that is gonna serve me, I guess, in life, because I've never had a job, per se. I've been a professional athlete <laughs> I 16. So there is a day coming when I no longer race bicycles and I'm going to have to transition into whatever is next. But there's nothing in the world that scares me because of my experiences and everything that I've gone through, um, good and bad, that I don't think that if I put my mind, heart, and soul to it, I cannot achieve within reason. I'm never gonna be like an amazing ballet dancer or something, right? But I'm just oh, saying, come like, on. <laughs>
1: in,
2: I'd like to
0: see you try. I know. Within
2: reason, I guess I can draw from all my experiences. Um, and that, I guess, ties right back in what I was saying earlier of like, you just gotta do it because the best way to learn is to just jump in.
1: So, I saw in one of the videos on your website that you had actually written on the wall of your garage, I will be a gold medalist. And then, you know, I saw the speech that you gave, and you had your dad had taken that stucco out of the wall and given you that, that sign. So, I mean, not only mentally preparing, but the, the whole visioning and, and really creating that vision for your life. And then taking all the baby steps every single day from to what you're eating to how you're training, just is amazing to me. The one thing that I heard you say was the mental aspect of um, the the challenges that you you had to overcome. Can you give an example of, of some competition or or how something that you had to overcome mentally? Um, there was a roadblock in your way that you had to overcome to to get back on you know the racetrack.
2: Yeah, and this will be one that I think Dario will remember because I talked about it in my speech. So what you're referring to is in 2008, um, I watched the Olympics in Beijing. And it was actually the first Olympics that BMX was a part of. And I was 15 years old. And uh, at this point in time, I was like a top five rider in the nation in my age. For all 15-year-olds in America, I was kind of in the top five. So I was tracking nicely in terms of like eventually potentially being a professional and all that. But by no means would anyone at that point in time have been like, he's going to be an all timer. No one ever would have guessed that looking at me at 15. Um, but I watched the Olympics on TV and I just thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I went the next morning, is when I wrote on my parents' wall um, that one day I'm going to be a world champion, a national champion, and win an Olympic gold medal. Um, And at that point in time, you know, I sat there. The first thing you did is you do the math. It's like, okay, in 2012, I'll be 19. That's a bit young. And then in 2016, i will be 23. That's like prime time age. Um, Early 20s is kind of prime for for our sport. And so I just got to work every day after that with that vision in my mind of, of racing at the Olympics, wearing Team USA colors, receiving a medal, all that. And things went really well. And I actually ended up qualifying kind of surprisingly for the London Olympics in 2012 when I was 19. Um, and at that point, physically, I was fast, but I was young mentally. I was inexperienced um, just because the only way to gain experience is to race high level races. And when you're that young, you don't have an opportunity to race that often. Mm-hmm. And I guess the equivalent would be like, you know, a rookie quarterback gets drafted. And he's sitting all year, and the main guy gets hurt in his first start. He's got to go play in the Super Bowl, right? That's kind of the position that I was in. And um, I was winning all day. I was number one seed in the final. I had pole position. Like, by all intents and purposes, like, I should have won that race. Uh, And I completely blew it and completely choked and got seventh out of eight which at the Olympics, you either get first, you either get second, you get third, or you get last. Fourth on, it doesn't matter. Fourth, 10th, 20th, 30th, it's all the same. You get a participation certificate. And and I I have it upstairs. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, for me, I wasn't there to get a certificate. Um, But after that happened and and the shell-shocked kind of – kind of wore off, I was sitting there like, wow, I just blew it. And I just did all that work, all that training. I had that golden opportunity in front of me, and I completely blew it. And now I have to wait four years to even maybe get a chance to try again. And if I do get a chance to try again, I have to make it all the way to the final eight to have a chance to race for that medal again. And so – I had to sit for four years thinking, could I get back to that position? And if I do get back to that position, how do I know that I won't blow it again? So there's no, you can do all the visualization, you can do all the practice that you want, but there is nothing that you can do to replicate what it feels like to be lined up in the Olympic finals and to be told, yeah, this is the 2016 men's Olympic BMX final. We will be awarding the gold, silver, and bronze medal in the event. Crowd, please stay silent. Like you cannot replicate that feeling. Yeah. Right. right. And so I had to go through all this emotions of like, I'm gonna blow it again. Or can I mm. do this? What happens? What what happens if I get in that same position and I blow it again? Like how devastating would that be? And this ties in well with what I was saying earlier. It's that a risk acknowledgement of I might blow it. But I also might not blow it. I might be able to fix it and do better. Um, so that, like in my whole career, was the hardest thing. Was like I guess having that clutch, mm-hmm. uh, and I really struggled with it after um, London at some of the other major events we have, be it a World Championships or a National Championships or things like that. Where sometimes I'd be okay, but other times I'd blow it, and it was kind of becoming a little bit of my. Um, reputation is oh, he's really, really good, but he'll blow it when the, when it comes down to it. He'll blow it, and ending up like turning it around in Rio at the Olympics and getting it right. Um, mm-hmm. It it was such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. That, like I, I don't think I've blown an opportunity since. Like it, it, I've been like the definition of clutch ever since at like national championships or any other major event, I've been very, very good at it. But it took getting right back into that same fire that burnt me and overcoming that fu- like getting right back into that, that that heat and getting it right to kind of fix that mental block that I had.
1: It, it sounds like falling in love, you know? You, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you take the risk, you get your heart yeah. broken, but the only way you can feel that feeling again is to jump back into the arena, so yeah. wow. So cool. Did you
0: train differently or prepare differently for those races, Connor? The ones that you blew, quote unquote, and the ones where you were clutch. What basically no, train the training with? was
2: the same because you know, in order to blow it, quote unquote, that you have to be the fastest guy, right? right. You're not going to blow it if you're just kind of a mid pack guy. Um, so blowing it, in my definition of that, would be like I'm the, the fastest guy. If I okay. execute to the best of my abilities, I will win this event. But I wouldn't always execute to the best of my abilities. Um, so training-wise, physically, it didn't change. There, I was constantly, and I'm still constantly working on the mental game, which at the high level of sport, whether it's my sport or any sport, the absolute pointy end of 001% always comes down to mentals because the top five or six athletes in the world in any sport are all so close physically. We all have the same access to high-level training and you know, supplements and all the different stuff like that it all just is gonna come down to the mental game and who can rise under the the pressure and who's going to sink under that pressure. Um, So I'm constantly evolving and trying to get better at the mental game, but it's just like a deep rooted ability of like, I can do this, but it took doing it at the highest level to like believe, I guess, that I could do it every time.
0: So why did you choke the first time?
2: Too focus on the uh, outcome and not enough on the process. There we go. That's what I want to get to. Yeah, I was just I was
0: that, to, I'm trying to get underneath that, right? So I, I appreciate you yeah. Say that again to, to what?
2: To focus on the outcome and not enough on the process. And as cheesy as it sounds, um, you know, for, for me, I needed to just focus on getting a good start, being aggressive on my opening pedals, hitting my marks on the track, being smooth in the corners, avoiding any drama with the other racers. And if you did all of those things, you would get the outcome that you wanted, which was the trophy at the end. But I was sitting on the starting line thinking about the after party and how much money I was going to make and all the stuff that comes with mm. winning, instead of thinking about the, uh, the things I had to do to get to that process. And one of the biggest tricks that I had learned from my sports psychologist um, after that was it's okay to go there, but come back. Right. It's mm. okay think about what you're going to do when you win but make sure you come back to the present now right because at the end of the day like whatever your goal is if your goal is to open your own business you want to think about what that finished product is going to look like you want to think about what that shop is going to look like or what the people are going to say when they walk in because that's what's going to motivate you to get up and go to work every single day to build it but when you're filling out your paperwork to get your business license, you need to be present and making sure you're doing that correctly. Yeah. Right. And it's just go there, but come back. And that was something that I learned. And it's a bit like that, like, I guess the, if you've heard the pink elephant theory, or if I say, don't think about a pink elephant, what are you going to think <laughs> about? I think a <laughs> elephant? Pink, pink
1: elephant. Pink right? elephant,
2: pink elephant. Right. So often people are so, like, everyone always says, like, focus on the process and not the outcome that they like, try so hard not to think about the outcome that it actually hinders them. It's, yeah, and what yeah. I've learned is it's okay to think about that. I think about winning the gold medal again all the time. That's what gets me out of bed to go train so hard that I can't walk the next day. Right. But you better believe that if I'm back on the starting line with the chance to win it, I'm going to be focused on getting a good start, driving my first few pedals, hitting my marks on the track, and doing all the things that are going to
0: – it's good excuse me, it's going to take to actually get what I'm looking for. So is it fair to say, going back to resiliency, that based on that answer, th- there's two parts to it. One is connect to what you want to accomplish. And two is be present for the details every day. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's a book called, uh, uh carry water and chop wood. And it's about this young man who wants to become a samurai and for years before he can even have a bow in his hand to become a, a, a bow samurai, he has to carry water and chop wood,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: basically teaching him the process of becoming a, a samurai of that kind. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hearing is, like, connect to the goal. It's okay to connect to the goal and have that vision for yourself, but you can't ignore the work you have to do every day or take the individual steps out of it because then, you know, you you can't do it. You know, right. you choke
2: Right. And it's a bit of a problem in our, I guess, in our modern day society where we have everything available at the push of a button. Everybody is in Everybody wants it now. Nobody wants to play the long game. Yeah. Um, and any major goal that you are trying to achieve by definition, being a major goal means there is a time commitment and a process to it. Um, what's going to get you through that time is what you're saying, thinking about that end goal and, and, Connecting to it and being being there, but at the same time, waking up every day and identifying what can I do today that is going to help me in the long run achieve what I'm looking for. You know, there's lots of different terms for it. Stacking bricks, adding, you know, depositing it into the bank and then withdrawing when it's time. Like there's a lot of different metaphors for it. And so figure out what works for you. Because Wax
1: on, wax off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: That's it. Every everybody just want you know. Everybody just wants to be a black belt tomorrow. They don't want to wax on, wax off. Um, yeah. But anything how, that's worth doing takes time.
1: How you know you have to be so focused? I mean, I just can't even fathom a gold medal, but the focus the intention all the the effort that you have to put towards that how do you balance that and i and i i use that word balance with quotes because i i don't know if there, there's ever really a balance in life i feel like you're, you're kind of throwing balls in the air and, and juggling but how did you find that balance of you know family time you know you said that you have a fiance you know how did they play into building you up and and how do you how did you still find time for the other things in your life that you care deeply about
2: yeah well and that's actually something that helped me a lot along the way when i was younger and you know, going back to that first olympic experience i was 100 percent invested in bmx racing i had nothing else going on of course i had friends and you know other stuff but it was literally wake up bmx think about BMX, eat BMX, sleep BMX, everything about racing. And my trainer wisely uh, is still my trainer all these years later. He wisely uh, encouraged me to start taking some classes at UNLV. It's like, just go take one class, you know, three hours a week, because then it gives you something else where for a few hours every week, you are 100% focused on something that's completely different. Um, and, for other athletes, I've encouraged them, you know, maybe if school is not your thing, learn a language, learn how to do a trade, learn just something that is not your sport because it will help, it will indirectly help your sport. Um, so for me, I really actually enjoyed going to school and I would literally take one class a semester, sometimes two. Uh, it took me nine years. I graduated last year, it took me nine years.
1: Congratulations.
2: Um, but it was a constant thing that whether i won or lost on the weekend or whether my training was going good or my training was going bad i could walk into class it was like get your number two pencils out it's test day and no <laughs> one cared. no one cared there was like this really funny moment i remember messaging with my my coach about this i won um the biggest championship you can win in, in the united states on a saturday night in november and it was my first time winning that and we were popping champagne i made a boatload of money This is like You know, all this really cool stuff. And then on Monday morning, I was in class. (laughs) No one knew. No one cared. And it was just straight back into reality. And it was like the most humbling experience in a good way. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it'd be so easy if you only live in this one particular world, to allow your ego to grow and expand. But by counterbalancing it with normality, It gave me this uh, this ability to kind of switch on, switch off, Um, and and I I also have a validation of like it felt good to graduate or to pass a class or to ace an exam or something that I worked hard on, and so I was able to increase like, um, broaden my my life perspective, I guess you would say, and Mm -hmm. when you have that hyper laser focus, uh, it'll it often. It's a double-edged sword because it can burn out really quickly because it is exhausting so having that balance on the other side i feel has extended my career um, because i've had that ability to kind of detach decompress relax a little bit and then be able to turn it back on when it's time to go
1: awesome and that you got a business degree correct
2: yes i got a business degree
1: so what does, what's, so what's your, what's your goal right now? What, what are you focused on? You, you said Olympics again. So do we get to see you in the Olympics again?
2: Yeah, hopefully. Um, that's the plan. You know, I don't want to change Yeah, it.
0: hopefully. That doesn't sound like Connor Fields.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
2: hopefully. Until, until the press release is official and the ink is dry that I've made the team. I don't want to change anything, but as everything stands today, everything we're working towards, I should be on that team. Um, and there'll be 24 athletes competing in my event in Tokyo. So I'm trying to beat 23 of them. Um, Sounds a lot easier in theory than it is, but um, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm just gonna go and and if I can walk away, um, this is a big shift as well, going back to the London and the Rio thing. Um, In Rio, I had the goal of, I want to walk away from the track that day knowing I gave everything that I had. And if I do that, If I get fifth, I'll be disappointed because obviously that's what I want. But what else can you do? You shake the other four athletes' hands. You say, good job. And you go back and you try to train harder to beat them next time. So going into this one, again, my goal will be to leave knowing I did my best with my preparation uh, and then my effort on race day. I always believe that if I do my absolute best, I am the best in the world. That is what I I believe that. But if I go and I do my best and I get third, congratulations! You guys beat me. I can go home happy, Uh, maybe or satisfied. Maybe not happy, but I'd be satisfied because I did (laughs) good. So that's that's my goal for this summer: is to just you know leave with giving it everything I possibly had. um,
1: Win in This will
2: likely likely be my last Olympics, so you know really try to just leave everything I have out there and um, you know no no regrets.
1: If our audience wants to catch you, when would that? When's that race? When are those qualifying races?
2: Well, uh, I don't know when the qualifying events are. Everything's still kind of up in the air. Um,
1: okay.
2: The current state of the world, but um, our event at the Olympics is the end of July. I don't know the exact okay. days, but I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll be easier to find once it comes closer. But I, <laughs> ask, but I think we're the most exciting event in the Olympics.
0: Where are you finding purpose these days, Connor, beyond racing? Beyond BMX, where are you finding purpose these days? I've
2: started um, coaching some younger riders, and I really enjoy that. Um, I can see things that I went through uh, in the younger riders, and being able to help them navigate what seems impossible, because I understand that feeling of it seeming so far away or what their goal is is so hard or – you know, learning to cope with disappointment—it's easy when you're. Again, I, I hate to call myself old, but when you're old like me, you understand that like the sun's going to come up tomorrow. If you don't win. There's going to be more races. It's like your first heartbreak. It's the end of the world. You thought you were going to marry that person, right? You get a little bit older. It's like, well, this sucks, but life goes on. Like, it sounds a bit rough, but like you know, life goes on. Yeah. And just helping okay. younger just kind of navigate that stuff has been really enjoyable. Um, And then for me, I also, in a weird way, I look forward to the day when I wake up and my goal is something other than win the next bike race because I do not remember life before waking up every day since I was eight years old with the goal of winning the next bike race. And it's been amazing, and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm not. No. But I think it will be really exciting to wake up with a goal of – something else to work on today. Um, And not that I don't, obviously I have have other things I'm working on and things that are going on, but diving in headfirst into those things I think will be really exciting.
1: Well, and I always say, and and we mentioned this on our first podcast, that purpose is dynamic. It's not static. It changes as you evolve and you grow and um, you have so much to look forward to. I find it hilarious that he says he's old Dario when I see he yeah, was birth- okay. born in 1992.
0: Yeah, I'm 20 years older than him. <laughs>
1: um, but uh, I, you know, you have so much to look forward to, and yet you have this memory, and um, we we look forward to new memories of you know being on that podium and receiving a gold medal. I'm a very patriotic person. I can't imagine the sense of pride to be an American and to be on that stage. Just, it must be surreal for you. Do, do you have dreams about it? Do you think about it a lot? Um,
2: it's hard to put it into words. You know, what it feels like to stand there, you bow your head, they place the medal on, they, you turn around, they raise the flags, they play the anthem. Like it's really hard to put that whole thing into words and, and it goes by in the blink of an eye, you oh, know, and man. you're sitting there and you're like, just like doing your best. like you wish you could like record, like you, know, you're, <laughs> you wish you could run it back in your head. Um, but it, it was a really, really special moment for sure. And the thing that I always, um, I think my favorite thing of winning, um, was that it was the ultimate way that I could kind of repay or say thank you to everybody who helped along the way because there was hundreds of people that had a hand in my career from you know my, my beginning coaches when I was a kid all the way through my trainer through the Olympics or my parents, my grandparents, you know anybody who had ever done anything to kind of be a part of my career. I felt like they, in a sense, earned a piece of the medal with me. Mm-hmm. And then the ultimate way to kind of like validate or say thank you for their efforts as well, which was really special. And, um, you know, even like I'm from Las Vegas, I'm proud to be from Las Vegas. Uh, just being the second person from Las Vegas to bring home an individual gold medal was like a really cool thing. Um, cool. Like, like there's so many cool things outside of the actual specific moment that it yeah. needs. And then as an athlete, uh, it's hard because it's like I can't sit and celebrate it too much because I don't (laughs) want to be thinking about the next one, right? Like the next goal or the next challenge. So I don't know if I'll truly know what it means. I've got this. I've got this plan in the back of my head. You know, whenever I do hang up the boots, I want to go on a vacation. I want to sit sit down and maybe uh, pour nice drinks, light up a cigar, and just sit and think. Holy, holy crap! I did it right, but like I can't really do that yet. Yeah. Um, but one day that moment will come.
0: You know, the, the one thing I admire about you, among other things, Connor, is you didn't rest on your laurels, no, you didn't get comfortable, you didn't fight yourself. Meaning, like, I, I, I connect to the success because I, you know, at a young age, I won my election, my first election. I worked my butt off, I walked the road over six hours a day, I prepped to know the issues. And when I saw the election results come up, I was, I mean, it was overwhelming, but it felt good because I earned it. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing for the county commission. I earned it. But then I got there and, and felt like this is beyond me. This is something that I can't handle. My brain couldn't process the success because of my own stuff that I hadn't dealt with. And what I admire so much about you is you accomplished it and you never rested on that. You never doubted yourself. You did the work. You got up every day. You trained like a champion every day, and you've had long-standing success. You know, so I mean, there there, there are a lot of flash in the pan type people, yeah. you know, who've been able to accomplish great things. But your staying power, your you know consistency, and your ability to win race after race after race uh, is really something to to be proud of. You know, uh, beyond being a gold medalist, just enjoying that is. Yeah. you know, I admire you for that big time. Thanks. And it's been an interesting process because like the
2: motivation or goals or how I get up to do this stuff has changed. It's a hell of a lot easier when you're 19 and you've never done anything before and you're just running on just pure adrenaline and fuel and motivation and you want to make it versus when you, when you've done it, it becomes a little bit more methodical and you pick and choose your battles and you, you accept that some days it is just going to be quote unquote work. Like you're just ticking right. the box of I showed up and I did the work. right? Yeah. Um, but in my view, it all just comes back to, I, there's nothing that I dislike more than feeling like I didn't do my best or achieve what I was capable of. And a lot of high level successful people have this fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that they're afraid of, of, um, not winning, but it's like this, it's this feeling like you're always being chased and that you have to continue to push yourself and you have to continue to get a little bit better and continue to draw on all your experiences to, to, to reach the highest level that you can reach. And it is exhausting. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it's not an easy thing to deal with, but it's just been an involvement because I'm a completely different athlete in all facets now than I was 10 years ago. Um, But I feel like everything that I've gone through every single season has molded and continued to mold into what I am today, which is why I enjoy it so much passing on to younger athletes. Cause it's like, if I can save you from making the same mistake that I made or accelerate your learning process, it's it's so helpful, but it is easy to fall into that trap. The worst six months of my career were the six months that I started racing again after the Olympics yeah, You know, because I got back into it and then it was like Friday night and I was like, even though the Olympics were six months ago, I was like, I can go party. I just won the Olympics. Like, <laughs> even today, someone could be like, hey, you won the Olympics. You want to go celebrate? Like I was, I could say yes.
1: Right. <laughs> but,
2: you know, it's, it's just this deep rooted desire to continue to be better, I guess, that has continued to
0: push me all these years. I love awesome. That. I think one last question for the folks at home, Connor. So what would you say, what single piece of advice would you give that person at home who has a particular challenge and they're wondering, you know, can I get through this? Whatever that challenge is, right? So I want I'm, I want to make it general. You know, for someone at home dealing with a challenge, whether it's a self-created challenge or a, an imposed challenge, and they're doubting themselves and they're wondering if they can get through it what single piece of advice would you give that person at home
2: my single piece of advice would be to create what i call a goal tree um and when you have a huge daunting goal or something that you're trying to achieve something you're trying to make build whatever it may be when you look at the end product and where you are now it can feel extremely overwhelming and daunting but if you can figure out what the steps are that you need to take to get there. And you can just really learn how to focus on step-by-step. Step. Um, it can seem a lot less daunting and you can feel a sense of accomplishment throughout as you kind of build towards and you achieve your, um, your, your in, inter kind of in between goals, I, I guess as you're going through it. So if I can just use myself as an example because this is something I did. When I sit there, I'm like, I want to win the Olympics. Like that is so far away when you're 15 years old to say I want to win the Olympics. But if you bring it back down, you say, I want to win an amateur national championship. And then I want to make the finals as a professional. And then I want to make the podium as a professional. And then I want to win a race as a professional. I want to make Team USA. Like – you just go through all of these inter, inter kind of in between steps on the way up. Um, it seems a lot less daunting because while you know you're focusing on getting there eventually, you're worried about the, the little pieces in between. Um, you know, one wasn't built in a day is the same kind of thing. It's like if you think about building an entire city, it's really overwhelming. But if you lay it brick by brick and you're just focused on adding another brick every day, it doesn't seem quite as overwhelming. And then before you know it, you blink and you're there. So my advice to them would just be, figure out what your steps to get there are and then just work on them
0: one step at a time. Yeah. So connect to the goal and commit to the process. Yeah. And all that cheesy stuff. That, so. <laughs> Where can people find you Connor? If folks who want to you know, find out more about you? They want to follow your progress as you strive for your next Olympic gold medal. Where can they find you? What's the best place uh, for people to follow you?
2: Um, All my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all the same. It's my name, Connor Fields 11, which is my racing number. And then I also have a website, ConnorFields.com as well.
1: And you do speaking engagements as well, correct? Yeah. uh,
2: Through through Amy, she actually approached me and um, seemed to see something in me as far as the speaking stuff goes and kind of helped me – learn a little bit about that industry while I'm still competing so that uh, once I am done, I can kind of hit it full, full speed ahead. And um, I've done a handful of engagements. I really, really enjoy it. I look forward to having more time to do it because, you know, for me as an athlete, as in an individual sport, everything I do is me, 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 me. I'm trying to win my race, right? Mm -hmm. And when I do, it is self-fulfillment. But There is nothing better, I find, than the feeling that you get when you help others, which is why I enjoy coaching so much. But when you do a speaking engagement and someone – I've had all sorts of people come up to me afterwards and tell me different things. But someone come up to me and said, hey, your story about you and your father inspired me to be a better father. It's like Mm. that's real, right? Like that's a cool feeling. Or somebody who come up to me and said, hey, I had this project I was working on and I had given up. You've inspired me to – retake it back up and continue to work on it. Like for me, that kind of stuff is so cool because it's so different from just trying to win a race for myself and that feeling you get just helping other people. And then also, and Dario's heard it, like I open up about some of my vulnerabilities and when yeah. you see athletes on TV, all you see is these high and mighty people that you might not be able to connect with because you think that they are just different, that they're there's mm-hmm. wired differently. The truth is, is every athlete that I've ever met has self-doubt, negative thoughts, you know, rough patches, all the things that everybody in the world goes through. Um, And I think that sometimes it can really help others to know that their heroes, per se, go through those same things um, and just make them feel a little bit more like it's okay not to be okay all the time. Uh, I really enjoy that side of it, too.
1: Well, I saw that you also, you know, volunteer and support in nonprofit organizations like St. Jude's and um, I just really appreciate that. You're grounded, you're accomplished, um, you're strategic. I, I've really loved, you know, t- having the opportunity to speak with you and hear your story. And I'm so excited to see you in the Olympics again.
0: Thanks. Getting anxiety. Just thinking about it.
1: <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Donna,
0: I, I appreciate you coming on here. We we just got published on Apple Podcasts. Nice. So you can uh, follow us there, subscribe there. But um, y- you said yes so quickly when I asked you uh, to join us, and I am honored by that. And you know I've I've got to see you behind the scenes, and and you're the same person in front of the camera that you are behind the camera. And, and there's, um, I, I congratulate you for that. That's that's rare. Uh, yeah. and, and, and like Chrissy said, the level of commitment and focus and, and the humility and, and service you carry yourself with is, is inspiring to me. So, you know, I think this is to me, you have a chance to inspire people beyond you being, you know, a, a gold medalist, right? Uh, Absolutely. Seeing you and understanding the work that it takes and that you chip away at it and that you can do it with such humility. Uh, is is something that can inspire and serve as an example for, for me, for sure, and certainly for our listeners at home. So thank you for that. And with that, I'll say uh, I appreciate you guys joining us for another episode of Purpose on Purpose, Overcoming Adversity and Creating Resiliency. I'm Dario Herrera, your host. We have our Olympic gold medalist, Connor Fields, as our guest. And, of course, uh, my colleague, my friend, my partner, Chrissy Grease, our faith-inspired influencer leading the way all the time. So until next time, see you soon. Thank you.